you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly... Uh, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35.
Hello and welcome to Forever 35. This is a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. And I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dory Shafrir. And we're not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Okay, here's the deal. You can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mention here. And you can find us on Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast. There's a growing Facebook community. Join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. You can shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. Our newsletter can be found at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And if you want to talk to us, to reach us, to text us, to leave us a voicemail, that number is 781-591-0390. You can also email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Woo! Kate, thank you for all Mm. of that. Mm, I want, yeah, it did. I want to remind everyone that we are doing a live digital show to celebrate our fifth anniversary on Wednesday, February 22nd. It's going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can get tickets at moment.co slash forever35. Tickets are $10. The show will also be available on demand for a week after it airs to all ticket holders. So if you can't make it live, you can just watch it at your leisure and there's going to be an after party. So you can end the night with some final thoughts, some intentions. Oh, and I forgot to mention the party is of course at Dory's hotel. Yeah. We'll be waiting for you. The hotel will be waiting for you. It's free to go. Well, no, it's not. It costs $10 to go to the hotel. (laughs) Pretty reasonable, if you ask me, to for a, for a five hotel star stay. hotel for a five, five star, star <laughs> all inclusive experience. Oh god! Yeah, it seems like a good rate. Totally. Um, and we have another announcement. We're just so full of announcements today. We are New Year, New this Us. This New Year, New Us. Even though Kate, you said you didn't want to do New Year. I new know you. you're right. Oh my god! <gasps> what a hypocrite. Mm. Um, we are launching a new type of episode, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So starting on Friday, we're going to have a new type of episode called Product Recall, where Kate and I discuss a product that, you know, an iconic product. And we go real deep. Real, real deep. Yeah. We talk about the history or the story behind different products that we're curious about, as well as kind of what cemented their place in pop culture, maybe the impact they had on the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. This is kind of, this was kind of formed organically out of tangents that we like to go on, which is often like, oh my gosh, do you remember that thing? Oh yeah. What were we all thinking? (laughs) It took a hold of all of us. Um, So this is really kind of a fun space for us to explore a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. these kind of either products or moments that intrigue us. So we are very excited to kick it off. Um, We look forward to your suggestions and feedback. We'll still be doing mini episodes with listener texts, emails, messages on Mondays, main episodes like this one on Wednesdays, and then product recall we are trying it out on fridays i'm so excited we've already recorded the first couple i'm not going to say what they are but 
Oh my gosh, it was a blast. It was a blast. I'm really excited to keep recording these. I am too. It was really fun. And it also, I think both you and I, as you're, you have a way more journalistic background than I do, but it's like people who I think enjoy digging and research and asking questions. I think it really scratched an itch for both of us that maybe has needed some scratching. Did you feel that way? Yes. A thousand percent. Yeah. It felt really good. It did. And I I can't wait to see what kind of conversations come out of the products and topics we discuss on Fridays. Um, And we are also open to suggestions. So if you have a product that you want to talk about, that you want us to talk about, please let us know. Yeah. Give a listen to the first episode so you get a sense of the vibe. And then hit us up on the jeans. Hit us up on the old jeans. <laughs> well, Dory, you know, I just wanted to note, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm I'm at the like final third of Prince Harry's memoir where he's like digging deep into therapy or mm-hmm. the new I'm year listening. or what, but I am like really resonating with the kind of word I chose as my little focal point for 2023. I choose a word okay, every year. I'm listening. Now, most of the time I forget the word by like March and I don't think sure. of it again. So that is what probably will happen with this word. Okay. Okay. Which I think, okay. I think I've already mentioned it here on the podcast, but I resonated uh-huh. with the word gentle. Okay. I've definitely talked about this in my personal newsletter. Um, that is the word that kind of landed for me. And I am, it is like, I am, I don't know if it's because I, I have kind of thought of it intentionally. Now I'm just seeing it everywhere or feeling it everywhere. Mm. But I, you know, I've been, I have been just really reevaluating like how I'm caring for myself in the wake of kind of, as you, as you hear nonstop in our private conversations, me trying to get to the bottom of my long COVID lingering symptoms. Poor Dory. Dory is privy privy to so much. But what that has really entailed is me being like gentle with both my, um, myself, my body, the people in my life. I don't know. That word is just really like, I'm just seeing it everywhere. I'm wondering if anybody else has a practice like this where they kind of doesn't need to be like a resolution because I find those kind of like so 90s. Like we don't need resolution. <laughs> I do think it is one of those things though, it, or I don't want to say it is, but it could be one of those things where like once you kind of acknowledge something or you, you know, you speak something into existence, you start seeing it everywhere. Totally. I think that is what's happening and it's it's probably been a building up for the last months because I've been changing a lot of aspects of my life mm-hmm. um and they all kind of center on this idea of being more gentle nourishing myself more really tapping in and listening to my needs and I yeah. think I've always I've always said that but it's often involved pushing myself to do things mm. and the way I'm kind of thinking of it right now is a pulling back. Okay. Okay. 
I also got to say, this is definitely coming from doing my yoga with Adrian videos every day. <gasps> okay. I don't know. Daily yoga is starting. I've been doing daily, like mostly daily yoga since the end of November. And I feel like it's starting to kind of have an impact in my mental health, which is one of the reasons I loved yoga when I first started many, many years ago. That is so cool. Well, it's a today I'm feeling like optimistic. Some days, you know, I'm in a hole and I'm like, but today I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm leaning into the gentle side of things. I really, really love this for you. Thank you. I appreciate your gentle approach to me. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember how I told you that I was taking that strength class twice a week at my gym? Yes. And I've been doing it. Instructor changed the music. The instructor changed the music. Although she now plays the same playlist every class. And I'm like, okay, at least this is to me, this is better than the horrible music she was playing before. So if I, if I have to listen to that Megan Trainer song about oh, your Gucci. Gucci on. Oh, I hate that yeah, song. It, it, like, it is what it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I've been doing the class twice a week. It's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the first couple of weeks that I did the class, I literally could barely walk for like three days. <sighs> it was so hard. And now I'm fine. Hey, you're getting stronger. I'm getting stronger. I can like feel it. That's so, so exciting. That's cool. Yeah. So that's been fun. Ooh, that's anyway, great. Congratulations. My, that's really cool. You. It's just my update. Okay. Um, Kate, do you want to introduce our guest? Oh, I would love to. Okay. We had uh, such a fun chat with our guest today, Kristen Chase. Kristen's a writer. And she also currently hosts the Spawned with Kristen and Liz podcast, which is an award-winning parenting podcast. She is the publisher and CEO of the Cool Mom Picks Network. And what's even more exciting is that her debut novel called A Thousand Miles to Graceland comes out like now, today. It's out. And it's just a really wonderful, smart, heartwarming read about a mother-daughter road trip to Graceland. And she's also the author of an upcoming children's book called We Are American Too, which comes out later this year. And she previously wrote and published The Mominatrix Guide to Sex, a whole book about sex from a mom's point of view. Kristen is, I mean, we talked about everything, tattoos, uh, mental health, teens teaching her about skincare. She is a mom of four and her teens teach her about skincare and products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. May we all be so lucky to have a teen tell us how to wash our face. (laughs) (sighs) All right. We'll be right back with Kristen. Kristen, welcome to Forever 35. We're thrilled to have you, not just because you are a person who is older than 35, though we do love when our guests are (laughs) our age. Oh, I am so excited to be here. Are you kidding me? I am huge fans. Yay. 
Well, buckle up because we've got a lot of questions for you, but we always like to start with a self-care practice. Um, And so if you don't mind, could you share something that you consider self-care that you do in your daily life? That is a great question. And I have to say that my self-care routine, if you will, has evolved over the last few years. You know, initially it was like, bath salts in the bathtub every night and watching a terrible dating show. And now it's I've added in like, make sure you make your OBGYN appointments, right? Because it's expanded beyond the relaxation to the actual physical and mental health self-care. But the one thing that I really try to do every single day, right before I go to sleep, I make sure that my little journal and my pen are right next to me so that I am prompted to do it. But I actually just take a second to write down a quote or something interesting that I heard. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I listen to a lot of podcasts. No surprise. And oftentimes <laughs> I'll hear something that I want to remember. And I, in the past, I had just sort of jotted it down on like a, a scrap paper or like in a notebook, some random place. And you know how the story is going to end. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember any of, of those quotes. So I really try to do that at the end of each day. And, you know, I've only been doing this, this is a new practice. I've only been doing this since the new year. And I have to say, it's kind of my favorite thing. And it's not journaling because I'm not a journal mm. journaler, I should say. And I have difficulty with it and I, it stresses me out. So this is like, like super relaxed and it feels like a little bit of also a memory test. So there you go. Mm. Oh, talk about killing two birds with one stone slash like middle age perimenopause issues, which I don't know if you're experiencing, but I do feel like the memory stuff is starting to become more of a thing. It is 100% a thing. And it's not a thing I feel like you hear people and they talk about it and you're just like, oh, well, they don't have my memory. (laughs) And then you're sitting watching a movie and you do the thing that's probably annoying to most people, but you think is really cool, where you name everyone Mm -hmm, and what mm -hmm. they, what they had been in. And you can't even remember like the main star. So yes, I am in the throes of that myself for sure. Dory, this reminds me, when we started the podcast early on, Dory shared that she keeps a notepad on her bedside table. And it's kind of like her space for to-dos or just like things that you want to remember. Um, And I know, Dory, you've kind of like circled back to that practice in and out. Kristen, I'm curious for you, like, was there something that kind of made you decide you're going to figure out a concrete way to do this? Like you mentioned kind of the Mm. more scattered process, but did you have a moment where you were just like, you know what, I'm going to get a journal and a pen, put it on my bedside table. And that's going to be my little memory book where I jot down. Like, was there something that just kind of like, because I feel like there, we often have these ideas about like practices that we're going to start, but there's always this moment where it shifts from like idea in our brain that sounds really good to action. Well, you know, what happened to me is that I wrote a few paragraphs of a new book idea that I had in my everyday sort of to-do list book, and I tossed it. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Because that's what I do, right? I like finish my little to-do list book because it's not really pretty. It ain't no bullet journal with pretty designs like my teenager makes, right? It is, it is ugly. So I, you know, I write and then I just like toss it and it feels good and I open up a new one and I lost 
a lot of really good stuff. So that was one thing. The other thing is that I just love journals. I love Mm. like date books. And I'm like, what can I do with a date book? I want to buy a date book. What can I do with it? Which I know is sort of backwards, right? But that's what happened to me. I was in this lovely Japanese bookstore in downtown Philadelphia, which is near where I live. I live in the suburbs. And I was like, ooh, this is really nice. What can I do with this? And I guess the third thing is that I like to get tattoos of quotes. Mm, mm. (laughs) And so I was like, I can't keep covering myself in quotes. (laughs) So maybe I should just write them in a book and keep them there. And maybe that will allow me to feel um, more like a a closeness to them as opposed to having them, you know, tattooed all over my arms. Wait, I love this because I saw you shared a quote, a tattoo quote on your Instagram. I did. Yes. But I didn't know it was a big practice for you that you'd have multiple ones. I have many quotes, actually. So I Wait, have... can I ask a question? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Can I no, ask a question about this? Are there are there any quotes that you had tattooed on your body that you feel like no longer sort of resonate for you? Or is everything on your body something that is still very meaningful for you? I resonate with everything that I have tattooed on myself. Mm. And I've been very, I guess I want to say strategic, right? That's such like a, just such a Gen X, like content strategist word. I'm very strategic (laughs) with my tattoos, but I actually am. I think a lot about them and I am very careful about what I decide to put on me. Uh, I will Mm. say that I've been more, I've been looser as I've gotten older. I guess, but my arms are pretty much, they're not a sleeve by any means, but they have a fair amount um, of of black tattoos. And a lot of them are quotes. Some of them are just words. So I have like Grace, which is my main character in my book, A Thousand Miles to Graceland, but it has Mm -hmm. many meanings for me and for her. And then I have the word enough, which was something I did after I got out of a really difficult situation and also had some, you know, family trauma things that I was dealing with. And then the one that you saw, Kate, was uh, We Were Made to Burn, which is something I saw during uh, watching a documentary about Asians and Asian Americans. And it just really resonated with me. So and I have a couple of things that my kids have said to me. So, um, so I have all sorts of things I have to like, look, yeah. So my daughter said, you make my life so much better. And so I had that tattooed on me. I have, you can do hard things. And quite honestly, it has become a way for me to just be able to look down and remember those moments. I I suppose it's in some ways self-care, right? So just looking down and seeing all these powerful things. But to your point, Dory, I feel like the journal has helped me because I do want to continue on my track record of loving all my tattoos. (laughs) So (laughs) I have a little separation. (laughs) I love that. I I feel like I would get I would get like paralyzed with indecision. Oh, like if I were doing that and I would, I think I would worry too much. So I like that you have the sort of confidence in your own decision making to commit to those quotes on your body. Can I just ask about you? You mentioned you said we were made to burn, which I, I noted this on your Instagram. And you said it was a line from a documentary that you had watched called The Professor Tai Chi's Journey West and that it resonated with you. What does that 
quote means or symbolize uh, in the context of the documentary and also to you? So I think it has various different meanings. And I think the cool thing about quotes, right, and poems and, and, and even books in some ways is that, you know, what the artist, right, or the writer intended may not necessarily be what the people get from it. Um, mm. And mm-hmm. I know that firsthand as a former musician and now as a writer. So for me, um, in the context of of that story, it was really about the hardships that Asian people endured coming to America, right? And we are not really familiar with Asian American history. I, as someone who is a second, well, third generation American-born Chinese person, I mean, my great-grandfather was actually the second American-born Chinese person in Washington, D.C., right? So there is significant history in my family. And I really, until I started writing the novel, honestly, did not know enough. And I still don't feel like I know enough. So, you know, one of the things was learning about what we endured when we came here, what our ancestors endured, you know, why we, uh, why we had to become dry cleaners and like my family restaurant tours, right. And, and how we built the railroads and all of those things. And, and to me, it just meant that like, we just kept burning, right? Like we, Mm. a fire was lit, the candle was glowing and people were trying to bring us down and it just wasn't possible, right? Because Mm. we are fire, like we are ignited and, you know, nothing is going to stop us. So that is how I interpreted it. And I think, you know, that is really what it was about in that documentary, which I highly recommend, by the way, it was so fascinating. So, and, 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 and I think for everyone to watch, just to understand the practice of Tai Chi and what it is all about, again, it was new to me. Um, and so that's been part of how I've been teaching myself about my own, my own history. And I will say this, the first tattoo, actually the first few tattoos I ever got were, um, homages, if you will, to my Asian culture. They're all dragons because I'm the year of the dragon. So it's kind of cool that I've kept that up, even though I've added different tattoos. Like, let's be honest, my first tattoo is a tramp stamp, ladies. <laughs> is it a butterfly? <laughs> my lower back. <laughs> yeah, mine is too. Yep. <laughs> but it yep. is my middle name, which is Chinese. Okay. So, okay. you know, so there it is. But, you know, so I did have, it's kind of interesting that tattoos were initially the way that I connected personally with my Asian culture and how it's kind of come for, full circle for me with the book and then now this recent tattoo and also just my interest in learning more yeah. about my family and our culture. Mm. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is, and I feel like also with summer just come more social events, there's weddings, there's nights out. It's 
vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one -on -one classes with the world's best. And right now, 
our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. All right, we are back. You mentioned a thousand miles to Graceland. Can you give us, give our listeners a brief synopsis and then maybe discuss the kind of research that you did and how it connected to your your own understanding of your own family history? Absolutely. So a thousand miles to Graceland is this super fun, very heartfelt road trip that Grace Johnson, who's a 40 something mixed race Asian American woman decides kind of reluctantly to take her mother, who's about to turn 70. Her name's Laura Lynn. She's Chinese American. She is a super Elvis fan. And so Grace reluctantly decides to drive her mother from El Paso, Texas, all the way to Memphis, Tennessee. And so there's all sorts of shenanigans and healing and, you know, what you might imagine taking a road trip with your mother, if those of you are are in relationships with your mother still, or, you know, your mother's still here, what that would be like as an adult, um, especially when your relationship is a little fraught, right? So you feel as though you are a different person, 
and then your mother sees you as, and you know, so Grace grew up in Texas, but moved right away uh, to Boston and sort of left her mother and was embarrassed by her and was really a, 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 someone who had experienced trauma um, and had left, right, as a way to cope. And so this coming together of both of them on this trip is really about healing for both of them. So, you know, for me, a lot of the research was really fun, right? Because I got to learn more about Elvis and um, I got to explore more of the South. So I actually lived in the South. I lived in Mississippi. I lived oh, wow. 45 minutes from Tupelo, which is Elvis's birthplace. And I used to go to the mall there. But can you believe I never, <laughs> ever went to Elvis's birthplace? Oh, I feel like I mean, a fraud. Yes, I can. No, I can't. It's like you never <laughs> go to the amazing historical things that are at your fingertips when you're there. Like, I that's, know. That's, you forgive forgive yourself for that. I'm going That's to. Acceptable. I'm going to. I'm going can to forgive I, myself for that. Can I ask? Can I ask where the interest in Graceland and Elvis came from? That is such a good question, Dory, and I have no idea. Like I started <laughs> this book almost ten years ago, and all I remember is that there was this idea that popped into my head about a senior citizen who was super sassy from the South, who like wore sequins and leopard print and chunky shoes and didn't care and wore big wigs and just loved Elvis much to the chagrin of her daughter, who was, I don't want to say Grace is conservative, but is just like, come on, what are like, this is, you know, you are over the top mom. Like it was embarrassing. So I don't know actually where it came from. I was never really an Elvis fan. My mom is not an Elvis fan. I do joke that my mom is very religious. So she worships a different kind of king. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> That's uh, a good one. Other yeah. Other than that, I don't really know where that interest came from. Okay. Fair enough. What I timing mean, too? I mean, with the yeah. movie coming out and I mean, an awful to well, note Lisa yeah, was... Marie Presley's <laughs> passing, but yeah, I mean, and you wrote, and I also noticed that you wrote about her recently too. I did. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. The movie was coming out and that was in the works as I was pitching this. And I did have a lot of agents tell me nobody cares about Elvis anymore. Like Elvis is just, just, just not a thing. And, um, I was like, cool, cool. I mean, there's a big movie coming out, but okay. And, you know, there's also a Priscilla movie in the works. I don't know if you two knew that. So that's no. happening. Mm. And then, of course, recently, very recently, the passing of Lisa Marie, which, um, you know, is someone who is close to my age. And I think for my friends, like I'm in my like older 40s, 46. So and I have lots of friends in their early 50s. And so. Um, plus, she suffered a great loss with her son during the pandemic. So I think that suddenly this huge icon became very relatable in many ways for a lot of people due to the movie, due to some of the challenges that Lisa Marie had, had been going through. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting too, just, you know, your book focuses on the, the mother-daughter relationship and just noting, you know, her, her relationship with her own mom. But there's there's a lot of like trauma and pain and healing that comes up that I think is incredibly relatable for many, for many of us, most of us who are daughters, right? Like it, there is that, that is a very 
strange and unique relationship that we have with our mothers. Um, did you find like in writing it that there was a therapeutic aspect for you? Did it, did it kind of help you understand yourself as a daughter or your relationship to your own mother? So much. I mean, I cannot even tell you or express to you how much this book changed my relationship with my mother. Mm, it it wow. was life-changing. And what has been so wonderful, because, you know, we have people who get the book early and they've read it, and that's been the biggest comment that I've gotten, right? It's yeah. like, it's a surprise because you look at the cover and it, it's fun. It's a road trip. It is funny. <laughs> I would tell people it is funny. Kind of there's it, a little it, romance. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, some romance. It's funny. It is also very heartfelt. And I think people are surprised by how uh, intense some of the emotions are that do come up for them uh, for a variety of reasons for, you know, the race and culture and the mother daughter relationship and some of the trauma. But I also think that, well, I don't think I know that the other thing that people are telling me is I'm seeing the relationship with my mother differently because of your book. Wow. I I have more empathy. I have more understanding mm. for the choices that my mom made. And and I I am amazed by that and also very heartened to hear that because um that is what happened to me. Really, truly, that's what happened to me. You know, I was writing this, I was writing a story about a woman becoming more vulnerable in her life uh, by opening up and trying to figure out why her mother made the choices she was making. And I had no clue about what was going on with my mom. You know, my mom and I were estranged as well in many ways. It was a very fraught relationship. And I was doing the edits for this, and I'm thinking, I'm writing a character who is becoming more vulnerable, what am I doing? Like, it felt really disingenuous, actually. Wow. I felt a little bit like a fraud that I was writing this character and I wasn't doing it myself. So I called my mom. Oh, we had like a two and a half hour meal. There was a lot of crying at the Mexican Ooh. food factory in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. I had so much clarity and understanding about our relationship about the choices that she made. And then now fast forward like three years later, because books take forever. Um, she just read it and it, it like two weeks ago actually. And we had another huge conversation based interestingly enough about the book discussion questions. So those of you in book clubs, it's a great book club mm. book because it'll bring up a lot of really great conversations. Turns out it happened with my mom because my mom calls me and goes, so the question in the back asks if, you know, if you think Laura Lynn should have left that, you know, difficult situation with her husband. Um, is that about us? <laughs> and wow. I was like, uh, yes, it is, mom. Yes, it is. And so just two weeks ago, we had a conversation. So, you know, and, and here's the thing about it. And you really, because you have been a nonfiction writer, right? Kate, like you, like you, I only wrote nonfiction. Now I'm writing fiction. It's hard to make the jump and not have parts of your life and situations play out in your novel, right? That actually happened mm -hmm. in real life. So. In a way, I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. My mom's going to read this and she's going to be like, um, we need to talk. But it actually was that, but it turned out to be a positive. And I'm hearing from other folks that it's a positive for them, too. Have your kids read the book? 
No, and they're terrible children. (laughs) (laughs) I love my kids. I love my children. You know, it's funny. (laughs) They're all old enough to read it. There's nothing really that they can't see or do. Listen, I wrote a sex book for moms 12 years ago. So this is tame, right? Like this is like a walk in the park. So my oldest was super excited. She grabbed, you know, a, you know, the, the arc or the galley right, right away. And they are very proud of me. And they're all bringing a friend to my book signing, which I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I'm just going to go with that. It's a good idea. They're all really proud of me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. It's so nice that they want to do that. I know. They're so excited for me. So, I mean, maybe it's just because they've heard me talk about it so much. It kind of feels like a sibling to them, right? It's like my fifth child. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they haven't read it. And, um, you know, I feel like... Maybe if I can get on book talk that my, my teenagers mm, yeah. will then. That's how you're going to get respect. That <laughs> is. I need From some, res- I need to get on that book talk table <gasps> at Barnes and yep. Noble. Oh, don't we all, yes. don't we all need to oh get, be gosh. on the book talk table. I know I walk by and I'm like, what will it take? Somebody well, book talk let- me. I know. Well, let me tell you this. My oldest is a cosplayer and she has 200,000 followers on TikTok. What? So if I can figure out a way. So like maybe we do like an Elvis cosplay. Do you know what I mean? Like are we what cosplaying? Is, you know what Wait, I'm what saying? What does it mean that she's a cosplayer on TikTok? Does she do different characters or she's like one main She does different characters. So she does a variety of different anime characters. She creates all of her own work. She competes in competitions. That's right. And she's like designs costumes, right? She does. Yeah. So she's working right now on a portfolio to go to fashion school. But I'm like, okay, you have a lot of followers on TikTok. Books do well on TikTok. What can I do to market my child? <laughs> Wait, this is amazing. You have an influencer child. I do. I do. Although she's like, I'm not an influencer mom. But I'm like, where did she get contact lenses sent to her? Right? Because she uses different contact mm-hmm. lenses. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's an influencer. It she's is an influencer. So can you, like, my main character, Laura Lynn, is a character, right? She's got beehive wigs and she wears all kinds of leopard print and platform shoes. Like, can you just do a cosplay of her and, like, hold my book up? <laughs> yes. Come on. Like, you gave birth to this person. They've got to <laughs> give back in some way. I know. I know. Exactly. Just, just a little thing. But, you know, as they say, it is not part of their brand. So anyway, until they make an Elvis Presley anime, I may be I may be out of luck. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. 
refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Okay, we're back. You you mentioned to me before we started talking that your teenage children have influenced your skincare choices and your skincare practices. Could you share what that has been like? Well, they are a wealth of knowledge because everything is on YouTube and TikTok now, right? They have so much access to really incredible people who do incredible things with skincare and makeup and they watch these things and can replicate them. So I figure I'm cutting out the middle person, right? Like I'm just going straight to my source. And I'm like, so, you know, I had, I had, and I, I actually took notes because I knew I was going to talk to you ladies. I had a, I have a benign lentigo. Is that how you say it? Do you know what that is? Have you heard of that? No. Okay. No, I can so Google it was this it right like, now. So it's a it's a it's benign and it is basically like a dark spot on your face and the dermatologist was like you're just getting older. I was like that's all? Like I can't like that's all I did. She's like yes and when you were young you probably didn't use sunscreen. You know, and I'm like yes because yes. And so that's all it is, but as as an educated woman as myself did, what did I do when I saw this on my face? I did not call my dermatologist. We don't do that. What do we do? We put 14,000 different things on our face. We were I was using my daughter's acne medicine. Uh, you know, I was asking her what she thought it was and she was telling me it looks like you need to moisturize it, which is actually true. Wow. Like all of these things. So anyway, that happened. And of course, who did I go to first? I went to first my 18-year-old because she is like especially into K-beauty and Asian beauty products. Um, So I always go to them first when it comes to anything skincare because they all know everything. 
Yeah, they do. Mm. They know it all. But you know what? Why are they still taking my makeup then? That's what I like. I can't find my mascara. Mm. They they do this all the time. <laughs> they take my super fancy eye cream, which I know, Kate, the la- when we talked the last time on my podcast, Bond, we were talking about eye cream. Like, you are 12. What what are you losing sleep over? Yeah. <laughs> you need an eye cream that was probably $80, right? Like, so, you know, I don't know why they keep taking my stuff if they're influencing me, but I do go to them for suggestions. And let me tell you this, parents of teens, this is the way to connect with your teenagers because mm. they are more than happy to tell you what to do right? Let's yes, be honest. And what you're doing wrong. Oh, exactly. So if you want to connect with your teenagers, just ask them what you should be wearing on your face. And like nine times out of 10, you know, whether it's wh- whoever uh, is in your family, they're also connected. Like they will be more than happy to tell you what to be, what you're doing wrong and what you should be doing right. My relationship with makeup and skincare, but I would say more makeup than skincare for me was always about looking prettier or looking different. And I think especially as someone with, uh, you know, who's biracial, right? It's, it is a lot of times it's blending in or like yeah. not standing out. And now so much has changed. There are so many great, you know, and I speak specific to Asian, but Asian owned beauty brands. And there are so many wonderful influencers are sh- who are showing you how to deal with, you know, your double lid or your epicanthic fold, right? Which is in my book that the, at the opening, which is that little fold that many Asian people have that makes it very challenging to do like inner liner, right? It's very difficult or like how to do a cat eye if you have an almond shaped eye. So I love that makeup Mm. and skincare are really helping teenagers to show they're different, right? Show how their skin and their appearance is different and allow them to stand out when for so long it was really used. Um, And I'm not saying it's over, but it was used in some ways to marginalize people. Yeah. Definitely. And I I think you, I mean, you just, it's so, it must be so interesting to be able to reflect on your own experience and then observe your own kids navigating it in a different way. It feels hopeful. Yeah. I think as, as anyone who is a parent can relate, right? When you see something that was so challenging for you and also that is, you know, in some ways still present, but they are now armed with the ability to overcome, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they are, or manage it, right? Which in some ways it's just managing it, you know? And I talk in the book, there's a lot of this idea that like, being uncomfortable is bad, right? Like feelings are bad, Mm. hard feelings are bad. And to see, you know, Grace, eventually figure out that that's not the case, right? Because she she experiences anxiety and is able to work through that and understand where that is coming from. And I say this too about our kids, right? And being able to sit in discomfort and having parents who are willing to, you know, walk them through. And I don't say it's like coddling so much as when we, we're walking side by side, right? We're supporting our kids and helping them understand that, you know, there aren't really, there are no bad feelings, right? Negative feelings are okay mm-hmm. and they pass and, and we can overcome. And, and that makes me hopeful for what's to come, not just for mm-hmm. them, but for like the world we live in. 
I think more and more in the characters I read in stories, mental health is becoming an experience that we're seeing on the page and then helping us kind of feel more seen as readers. Um, and I would just love to, to ask you to share your own mental health journey and how it led you to create characters that are dealing with things like panic attacks. Well, this one is really cut from my own life. You know, the first, mm. the story actually that Grace tells about her first panic attack did actually happen to me in many ways. Mm. I had n never experienced that before. I honestly, as I look back now, can see that I was and am a very anxious person, um, but had never experienced a panic attack. And for me, it felt like my blood sugar was dropping, which is something that mm. has happened before, which has also then made me think, well, maybe that was actually a panic attack and I didn't know. Yeah. And at the time I was mm. like, oh, you know, I haven't eaten very much. I was, I was a very heavy coffee drinker. I had just walked a ton around a city and I just was like feeling woozy and like, oh, I just, I just need like orange juice. And I just kept ordering orange juice from the bar, like glasses and glasses, and it wouldn't stop. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What is going on? And that was the first time that I experienced something like that. And I ended up kind of walking around the block and was able to, um, find my breath, right? Which is so important and find support and just kind of, and, and be like, I, that is horrible. And I can't imagine, you know, I had heard friends and family members talk about it. And I think until you've experienced it, it's a little difficult. I mean, we can all have empathy, but to actually experience it and feel that, you know, for, I know it's different for so many people, but feel that struggle. I all of a sudden had instant empathy Right. And then this idea, okay, what is going on here? Why now? Like, why is this happening? And for a few years from that point on, I discovered it was probably a combination of a few things. Um, I was taking an antidepressant, which really wasn't, I don't think what I needed. I probably needed something to help with the anxiety. It just wasn't, it wasn't a great combination. I was also, and this is where Grace comes in, my character I was also living a life that wasn't authentic. I was pushing away feelings, right? And, you know, people talk about panic attacks and anxiety attacks in many different ways. But one of them is this, you know, for me personally, it's about not letting go, right? I can't let go. I must hold on. I must keep it together. And the process of doing that, right, causes your body great stress, um, and what I discovered is if I could get myself to the point of crying, right, if I could let go mm. and get to the point of the sadness, what I say is I say get to the sadness that I was able to then find my way, I guess you could say. So for me, it was really about not living my authentic life and, and being in a relationship that was not abusive, not bad, just not good for me. It wasn't where I needed to be. And I have noticed over time, right, in doing work in therapy and exploring that more deeply, that when I am able to be true to myself and have the feelings, right, like we hear that all the time, right, just like have your feelings, having my feelings. So that allowed me to really work through that. I still do have anxiety. I do still have panic attacks. Um, 
And mine are typically brought on from physical symptoms, right? So um, I'll be like super hot outside and my heart rate will go up or I'll drink too much coffee and my heart rate will go up. And, you know, my body is like, you're in trouble when actually I just had a really delicious espresso, (laughs) you know? And so I'm at the point now in my practice, right? In therapy and in my own self-care practice where I can most of the time use positive self-talk, use breathing, right? The 478, which is really powerful for me, which I believe is in the book um, and various different techniques to really center myself and bring myself back. But I still um, oftentimes do have to take medicine and I still carry a prescription around, which actually helps me. um, And I still see a therapist um, where I talk about it. So it's ongoing, but for sure, the, the main the time where it was the biggest issue uh, was really about not living um, authentically, not being true to myself um, and not allowing myself to be free. Really. I, I felt mm. very shackled. Mm. Well, you capture it in a really authentic way, which resonates with me as someone with a generalized anxiety disorder. Well, I, I appreciate always- hearing that. Yeah. No, seriously. And I I think it really helps. Like, you know, you can tell when folks write about anxiety or a character has anxiety, who's create, who's kind of creating it from thin air and who's actually describing not necessarily lived experience, but an understood experience. Um, and that I, I appreciate as someone who. Well, we think about representation and we think about it, of course, culturally, which is so important. But I also feel like we need to think about it from, you know, mental health, physical health, you know, ability, um, representation, all of those things really, really come into play when we're, when we're reading. And I think sometimes, you know, this is, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but the first book that I have read with a white parent and a Chinese parent was like three weeks ago. I mean, how is that even possible? You know, everything I never told you, the Celeste Ng book. And I have never felt more seen. And I, and I can't even describe the feeling. And I have talked about representation for a really long time, but to experience that myself, to read a character read a family that looked like mine, that was experiencing the issues that I I imagine my parents were experiencing that they never talked about was so powerful. So I imagine as a person, like you said, you experience, you know, anxiety. And for other people who have experienced some of the things in the book, like trauma or um, alcoholism or any of those things, right? Or a difficult relationship with your mother, the more we're able to do that, I just feel like the more people are able to feel heard and seen. Um, and that is just, that's just what I want more of, right? It's like, just just for people to feel heard and seen and accepted. Well, Kristen, I think you do it with this book. Uh, where can our listeners follow you, find out more about you, find your work um, if they want to learn more? So I am at that Kristen and I am K-R-I-S-T-E-N, right? I've spent mm-hmm. my whole life doing that. <laughs> I'm that, an important I'm that distinction. Kristen, yes, on Twitter. 
And because of um, a very annoying moment with Instagram where they were banning breastfeeding photos, I'm that Kristen again <laughs> on oh Instagram. Oh my goodness. Because okay. I was so angry with Instagram that I I got off, but I lost my handle. So I'm that Kristen mm. again, because I'm also really creative with, with handles <laughs> on Instagram. And um, all of my work is at Kristen May Chase. It's M-E-I, KristenMayChase.com. So you can find me all of those places. I love, love, you know, I love, I chat with you on messages. So, you know, I love chatting. I love hearing from people and I love talking about anything. It doesn't necessarily just have to be about the book. We can talk about teenagers and I don't know, anything else. I'm always open to chatting. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the pod. So glad to have you. Kristen is someone who like really seems like she has her shit together. I really, yeah. really loved what she was talking about with getting quotes and words tattooed on her body. I just thought she had yes. such a unique and interesting perspective about that. I don't know, like that relationship to learning moments or things you want to remember and how to kind of memorialize them and, and how, doing it so close to yourself. I just thought it was, thought it was really beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. It's really I cool. loved her story about her most recent one. Yeah, it was, it was, she, yeah, she was just so cool. I know, I know. Don't you wish we lived near her and we could be friends? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Alas. (sighs) Kate, did you plan out a year-long cleaning schedule? Lol. No, I didn't. (laughs) But I did clean out, I did organize what I call the dog drawers and the counter above the dog drawers. The dog drawers is where all the dog's stuff lives, and it's just was just a big pile of junk. So I did do that, and it had been driving me nuts. Like every morning, I'd go and get their biscuit, and I'd be like, I hate these fucking drawers. I got to clean them. And then one morning, I was like, today's the day. Uh, that being said, a lot of folks sent great recommendations. I mean, Struggle Care is a person we are recommended a lot. I follow her. She's a dream podcast guest. Um, but some of her products were suggested, which is interesting to me. So I'm going to look at some of their stuff, but other people sent me all sorts of links of like very realistic kind of cleaning plans. So I'm going to dig into those. Um, so thank you so much for sending me those. And they were like very grounded, realistic, like actual human cleaning plans and not like, you know, perfect mom influencer cleaning plans. So I appreciate that. This week, I'm going to try to do one short loving kindness meditation. Ooh. So it's a very specific uh, meditation practice that I have done before. And I actually think it would really benefit me right now and probably always, but specifically um, I just was like, I, this is, I think what I want to focus on this week in terms of, you know, talking about being gentle and my own self-care. I think this is it for me. So I'm going to find one loving kindness meditation and do it. And I'll try to share, if I actually accomplish this, I'll share a link to the to one that I did next week. Love this. How about you, Dor? Um, so last week I wanted to rest the work slash power back, which like I honestly don't even remember what I meant by that. <laughs> but I think I I think I am doing that. 
and I've been like scheduling actual time to write. And, you know, I, I feel, I do feel like I'm kind of like getting a little bit more oriented, situated. Nice work. So that feels good. Thank you. Um, and then this week, okay. So we got new dishes and in the process of like clearing away the old dishes and putting the new dishes back, I like rearranged some things. And then I was like, okay, there is a corner of the kitchen counter that is just like a doom pile corner. Mm. And I need to just undoom it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) I love that. Undoom it. And now you know, and this kind of goes back to a conversation we were having recently. I want to keep it undoomed. And I'm now accepting of the idea. I have accepted the idea that it's an ongoing process. You don't just declutter once and then you're done. You have to always be checking in on it. So that's what I'm going to try to do. (sighs) Well... This has been great. And we'll talk to you all in a couple days with our first product oh my recall. Gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm in the nervous. meantime, I know it's going to be good though. Okay. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is ACAST. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>